And it's time for some quirky news. And again, we're joined by Errol Smith. G'day, Errol. G'day, David. And Brian Smith. G'day, Brian. G'day, David. Now, just very quickly, uh, this is a story. Phil Sayer. He was 62 years old. He was a former radio presenter. He died, sadly. He used to work for BBC Radio in Manchester, and he also read regional television news. So what is his obituary all about? He was the man who gave the voice to the Mind the Gap announcement on British Rail. Why is he so famous? A lot of news stories ran with the story. I'm just staggered that that's the thing he's going to be remembered by. Gentlemen, perhaps there's a chance for us yet. Yeah, we need to record something, uh, something for posterity, don't we? That uh, somebody can use on um, on public transport. And uh, I, th- I think this is what they're talking about. Mind the gap. Mind the gap. It sort of develops a bit, doesn't it? And then uh, it sort of uh, bogs down in the middle, but finishes with a flurry. Yeah, mm. I'd like to. I'd like to offer. Um, uh, please use all. Doors of the train. <laughs> what, at once? <laughs> Not just the ones nearest the stairs. <laughs> Not the ones convenient for you. Use all the doors of the train. I like the sort of um, very passive-aggressive uh, announcement that you get in Sydney, which, which is, you know, our train has 16 doors. You know, you can use all of them. Very passive-aggressive. I think that's uh, why the gap is it's short, sweet. It's absolutely clear. It's not polluted by all the sort of uh, political correctness of please mind the gap or would you mind please minding the gap if, if it's convenient for you? Yes, look out for the gap, you idiot. You remember our friend Bob Carruthers? He was our sound guy. He used to record sounds and do that. One time he wanted to record the general milling around of people at a railway station. So there he was, headphones on and recorder slung over his shoulder and a microphone he's holding out standing in the middle there looking like an absolute idiot. But he said he persevered with it and then he played it on some situation and he got a legal note from the guy who did the voice of the background announcements saying that you didn't have copyright to use my (laughs) voice. All right, let's go to a serious so-called story. A Shakespearean map of London, underground, has been unveiled ahead of the 400th anniversary of the famous playwright's death, part of the series of eye-catching initiatives to celebrate the Bard. Tube station names are replaced with Shakespeare-inspired ones, and there's even a new phone app also released to send Shakespearean-style messages if you want to. Gentlemen, is this going to be a way to enhance public transport or is it just a little bit of frivolity? I think it's fantastic, David, because what's in a name, David? (laughs) That which we call a town hall by any other name would smell as, well, I couldn't say sweet, could we? (laughs) I, I love the idea of it. I think it's fantastic. It's got it's, the stations of renamed characters like Lady Macbeth and Timon of Athens and Coriolanus. Fantastic stuff because there's so much of Shakespeare in our daily lives and, and our daily language. Um, so many things are inspired by Shakespeare. So I, I love the, the sort of, um, you know, but soft what light through yonder window breaks. It is the train. <laughs> or the, the vandal on the train. <laughs> yes. And then getting on as a sort of lay on Macduff kind of thing, isn't it? 
Shakespeare characters are not usually likable in many ways. There's not a lot of saints in there. They tend to be imperfect human, human beings. Although there is Desdemona, but look where that got her. She mm. was honourable in that. But, of course, one of the good, good girls of uh, Shakespeare is Portia. But I'm not sure you want to name a railway station <laughs> of something that sounds like a car. That's true. That could be, could be confusing. King Lear, that's the station for all the people trying to take upskirt photographs. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he had some bad personal judgment skills, didn't he? Out damn spot and all that. So, oh no, that was uh, out in oh, vile that's... jelly. I think was yeah. uh, King Lear, wasn't it? Had his eyes plucked out. I know a poem about King Lear. Daughters three had aged Lear. Two were rotten, one sincere. He misjudged the loving kid, cursed and cut her off. He did, but the others flush with gain, tossed him out into the rain. All his ganglia came untied. Sweet Cordelia reached his side. Just too late to save the play, overkill was underway. <laughs> now there's a little summation of that. But, of course, the other two daughters were Goneril and Reagan, which sounds like a disease or a demented president. I'm not sure you want your station named after that. Along with this, David, they've also released a smartphone app, of course, mm. called Shakespeak, which will convert all of your text messages to Shakespearean prose. I tried to do it, and I typed in things like it handled well uh, with a fairly tight suspension, but it didn't get me very far. <laughs> <laughs> I did have, it has enough power to handle most situations, and it is to hast in our power to dungeon most situations. Right. I think we could redo the way we do road tests, I think. Add a little bit of... Plus. I mentioned a car name, of course, Cressida. Mm. Yes, that's a, car a Shakespearean um, figure. Troilus and Cressida. She was, of course, a lady of fairly poor character. She used her, her own wiles, her own uh, feminine wiles, to achieve her own end. Is that what Toyota did with that car? Well, I told the story. They were going to call it the Stanley. The last minute someone said, look, you know, they've had the, the Cedric and all those things yeah, uh, to do names. with English. The Stanley's not the way to do it. They said, well, give us a name from Shakespeare. And they got Cressida without really knowing what it was about. The other thing is, I, I'm not sure this is good for school children because I think they'll vandalise it because they've been made to study Shakespeare. You know the Blackadder principle? Yes. <laughs> The other problem is, do you need a guidebook or a scout line summary to get around the station? Some cliff notes or whatever they call them. What would you do if you had other plays had names? Obviously, Streetcar Named Desire would be an appropriate play. Stella Street. What about uh, poems, David? What about for Australia? We have The Man from Snowy River. Oh, yes. You could have a station called Old Regret. It certainly fits movement at the station, doesn't it? There is a lovely play, a very funny play by Michael Frey called Noises Off, but that wouldn't be appropriate for the train either, would it? <laughs> maybe, the, maybe the quiet car. Brian, you have a story. That's from your company too, isn't it? It is indeed, David, where my, the company I work for has uh, made an interesting proposal to the Tomorrow's Train Design Today competition it's uh, part funded by uh, Britain's Network Rail and it's organised by the Rail Safety and Standards Board. And the idea is that, that engineers come up with uh, kind of interesting and novel ideas for trains. And, and uh, Arab's idea was um, based on the bouncy castle idea and the, the idea that uh, you could deflate 
the seats in the carriage during rush hour to make more room for passengers. So in the, in the peak periods, they'd be deflated and people would be able to stand. And then in the off-peak period, you'd, you'd inflate the seats to provide more seats. Apparently, it's a, it was quite, a, quite well received, the novelty of the seats, making people smile. And um, when using the prototypes, apparently two volunteers struggled to resist the temptation to try to bounce their friends up and down. Of course, that is immediately... <laughs> Uh, would be a serious problem mm. where people are leaping around or even the keys in their pockets uh, leading to some sort of unintended deflation. Do you have to take your shoes off when you get on? Well, it's more probably more um, apt, David, that uh, you make sure your bags don't have any sharp objects because, uh, as with most Sydney trains, um, you know the seats are taken up by bags. Uh, the uh, <laughs> stairs are filled with people sitting on them and the luggage racks are empty. <laughs> I think there's a rule that says, of course, you can't. If you're over 14, you can't get on to a bouncy car. You must be this high, David. Under the certain <laughs> height. Height to get in. Must have, children must have adult supervision. And uh, if a double decker trains, it'd be quite interesting that the, the sort of top deck may bulge down as as more and more people got on. The sleeping cars will now have lilos installed. Yeah, they could have water beds, couldn't they? They'd be very heavy. <laughs> There'd be a bit of sloshing on uh, acceleration and deceleration. It'd have to bring back the Japanese pushers, wouldn't you? Because you could fit more in and if you squeeze them in. It'd be I, interesting I everyone with their socks on, wouldn't it? I was wondering um, who, who decides when they go up or down. You know, what if someone's sitting on them when they, when they go down or, or standing near them when they go up? I mean, you could have lots of fun if you could, you know, hack into the controls. I guess if they had a steam train, it'd be easier to sort of chuff, chuff, chuff the... The uh, the seats back up. I'm not yeah, sure how you'd inflate them with an electric train. And you'd also get warm seats. The trouble, though, of course, there'd be a concern. You, you saw something in the press about the, the Dyson hand dryers apparently blasting bacteria all over the place. So you'd have to make sure that uh, trains are not the cleanest things in the world. You'd want to make sure that when you did inflate them that uh, you weren't sort of firing a whole lot of, uh, I don't know, um, paper waste and chewing gum up into the sky. Of course, that would eliminate the pets on trains. Uh, cat scratching. Mm -hmm. mm. Well, Brian, I hope your company uh, remains as creative and inventive as that with other transport solutions. We should clarify that this was released on the 10th of April, this story, not the 1st. <laughs> not a joke. We're a very agile and innovative company, David. It's, uh, there's never been a more exciting time David, to, uh, to be in this industry. He <laughs> sounds like a politician supporting a dubious policy. <laughs> it would be a courageous decision to implement this. Yeah. Errol, a story. Well, Germany could have a courageous decision too because uh, they've decided to uh, go with an idea where they, they try and, rather than try and reverse a recent change in people's behaviour, They've decided to accept it and implement a technological solution to a problem. In this case, it's people staring at their phones while they're waiting at pedestrian crossings. Germany's city of Augsburg is installing pedestrian go stoplights into the pavement so that people can see the lights go green without barely taking their eyes off their phones. Apparently, the idea came about when a survey showed nearly 20% of pedestrians missed the change in signal because they were distracted by their phones. Which, of course, holds everybody up. There's a whole thing about getting haptic advice 
to pedestrians, haptic as in touch or feel. Mm. Uh, you get it in the car if you turn a corner or you wander in a lane and the wheel will vibrate. Mm. Oh, you go over a vi- uh, like a, a ripple strip or something like that, David. Mm. And so the thing is perhaps to give haptic advice to people, this is visual advice, but maybe even that you'd be able to carry your phone around and it would vibrate if you've got to turn left or you're about to run into somebody. Well, it, it mm. strikes me rather than having the traffic lights in the pavement, which seems awkward and likely to be damaged, uh, that if people are busy looking at their phones, why not put that information on their phones so that as they approach the the signal, um, you know, their phone goes into the sort of stop mode, you know. Yes, the, 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 you, you are about to walk in front of a bus mode. Yeah, yeah. I, I say, you know, you've got the information distributed on the phones. It's a, a cleverer way of doing things. And, in fact, you may even be able to warn people of approaching traffic or trams. But interesting that instead of trying to uh, alter people's behaviour, I mean, no, this is not about... It's in a sense rewarding people for not paying attention to their surroundings, which, you know, in other circumstances might well be disadvantageous to them. I, I think somebody talked about, you know, it's all very well being, you know, wrapped up in your virtual world and your phone with your headphones in, but, uh, you know, the real world may intrude in a very sudden and violent way. Did you see the video from Conan O'Brien, the talk show host out of America? It was called Helping Hand. No, I've not seen it, David. He said uh, the great dilemma, of course, is people looking at their phone and running into things. So now you can get someone with a helping hand and they have a person walking along and guiding the other person <laughs> as they walk along the street. Then they could have a dog doing that, couldn't they? Then they stop them from crossing the road. But no, no, it goes further. They had the guy who was looking at his phone and so the bloke beside him was uh, the helping hand was pushing the child on the swing. <laughs> someone else to help you. Lovely idea. And it ended up, of course, with a helping hand. There's a guy with on his phone in bed, and it pans out a bit, and the blankets are going <laughs> up and down. And then the blankets fall off, and there are two helping hand people in there. And on the other side of the bed is the wife looking at the phone <laughs> as well. <laughs> hey, rewarding bad behaviour. Uh, Brian, a story. Certainly, David. Uh Sort of traffic fines are, um, are an interesting concept. I'm now in uh, Finland. Uh, your traffic fines are based on your salary, so that uh, instead of a flat fine, if you're a very wealthy person, you fa- may find yourself facing a huge fine for a minor offence. Well, in Vietnam, perhaps a place that's a little less uh, well-off, um, you can be given lines to write for as for traffic offences. A woman in the Vietnamese city of Da Nang was, uh, was given the task to write 50 lines promising not to drive down one-way streets the wrong way again in lieu of a monetary uh, penalty. Vietnamese police forces apparently being um, praised for this outcome. Uh, look, I think there's a little bit more to it than this. I suspect there might well be uh, some issues of corruption in some cities, and uh, perhaps uh, instead of writing lines, it may have involved uh, some money-changing hands as well. I thought they may have made the rule after they did away with the cane. (laughs) (laughs) Is it coincidence that Vietnam recently started showing The Simpsons? I think not. (laughs) Yes, which opens, of course, with Bart Simpson writing lines on on a blackboard. Uh, Apparently, uh, there's a previous example um, in the city of an offender being given a penalty to buy chewing gum from a street vendor. It's very strange goings-on 
Mm, and I, I wonder, lines prevent you from breaking the rules? Drink driving, for example, would you need 100 lines for that? Would you need one straight line? <laughs> and if you can't draw it, That's right. then you're obviously drunk. A line that someone can actually read. But the only trouble is, cursive handwriting is now going out of style. In America, they are seriously talking about not teaching it. Yeah, because it's all text now. Mm. Of course, the, the, the modern version would be to tap it, all, tap it out 50 times on your smartphone. <laughs> no cut and paste allowed. <laughs> if you use all these things from the classroom, so if you want to ask the policeman a question, do you have to put your hand up? <laughs> well, you should indicate, David, certainly. <laughs> yeah, very carefully. Uh, yes, very careful. You're right about Bart Simpson, and in fact he had a chewing gum line in one of them was... Uh, Garlic chewing gum is not a good idea. I think that was... One of them was, uh, I will not drive the principal's car, which I thought was rather good, from Bart Simpson, which may be appropriate here. Write that out a hundred times. There's another one I like. It's got nothing to do with the story, but organ transplants are best left to the professionals. <laughs> he had some funny lines. <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Lovely to talk to you. Thanks for your time. All right, David. And Errol Smith and Brian Smith, and we were talking the more unusual stories in the world of motoring and transport.